0: The Start On On Demand.
1: Thieves rushing into liquor stores, rushing out with bottles of booze. It's a scene that's played out right across this province, but it's not just a Manitoba problem. Which is why a liquor store retailer in Alberta, where that type of crime has jumped 300%, is trying to get creative. It's offering a cash prize to someone Anyone who comes up with a solution to this type of crime. What can we learn from this conversation? And are we going too easy on our teen criminals? Your reaction to the story of four teens who were found stuck in an elevator at Fort Gary Place after they allegedly caused $30,000 in damage to the downtown high-rise. And it's potato week, or potato week as it goes. And from donuts to lasagna, potatoes are working their way into all sorts of recipes. Brett might be off, but it's never too early to wake him up so we can talk Monday Night Raw. His review on this Tuesday edition of The Start with Mackley McGarry and McNabb.
0: You may or may not have heard this story in Jeff's News yesterday. Some vandals, some young persons got to the top of the tower, the observation deck that's above rotating restaurant Prairie 360 at Fort Carey place and did some damage to that observation deck, but they weren't super smart criminals. We'll tell you what happened in just a little bit here. And uh, is it changing? You know, it,
1: it when you feels hear a story like though, this, do you just roll your eyes? Yeah,
0: Or do you go, yeah, you know, it, it feels like Winnipeg's changing. How are you treating uh, crime? Uh, Yesterday in New York City, Harvey Weinstein convicted on two of five charges in court. He's facing five to 25 years in prison. We've also heard about the Peter Nygaard uh, allegations and the civil lawsuit, uh, Loren McNabb. And we want to know if that is empowering women or uh, or people of either gender who might be have been a victim or felt as though they were a victim of of sexual assault to come forward and, and to tell their story.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk to Clinic after 7 about the idea that it was really Harvey Weinstein's accusations with, with scores of women coming forward alleging sexual misconduct like and worse um, against this uh, Hollywood producer and the idea that that really helped spur on the, the Me Too movement and helped people come forward But I'm curious and I'd like to talk to Nicole, who's the executive director after seven, about the idea that when you hear a conviction, does that help anyone who's been a survivor of sexual assault um, think, okay, good, someone's being punished, or when you hear there's a partial conviction because he wasn't convicted on all counts, he won't spend that lifetime in prison, it'll be maybe a handful of years, does that does that have the opposite impact? What's the impact on the conclusions and stories like this? And then what's the impact on every time you hear something like this, does that help women come forward and share their stories, or does it hurt in the sense of well, they don't want to go through what, what may have just happened in the court system? So lots of questions for them.
0: To start this half hour, we'll go from New York City to Edmonton. It's a scene Manitobans have become i all too familiar with. Recent videos showing two people with their faces covered rushing into a liquor store to grab several bottles of booze and flee were 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 captured in Winnipeg.
1: Weren't captured in Winnipeg. Weren't.
0: (laughs) Where were they captured? Uh,
1: So the the scenes that are shared in this next story they're from Edmonton, and that city has seen thousands of liquor store thefts and robberies. And like authorities here in Manitoba, those liquor store thefts in Alberta they've baffled police and officials as to what to do about them so a unique solution as global's lisa mcgregor reports police have turned to entrepreneurs with one private liquor store company offering a massive cash prize in hopes someone anyone can come up with a solution
2: edmonton police say there's been an alarming rise in liquor store thefts and they need to try something new to fight the problem before it turns deadly
3: you're seeing bear spray, you're seeing knives, you're seeing guns. The reality of somebody getting hurt in this environment, unless we start taking a stab at it, is going to happen. So, you know, if we can get ahead of it and prevent as many of these as we can, let's get
2: on it. It's costing millions of dollars in police resources and millions more in stolen property. In 2019, liquor stores were robbed an average of 26 times a day adding up to more than 9,500 last year alone.
4: We've had stores that had five or six robberies in the same day.
2: The thefts are taking a toll on the people who work at these liquor stores.
4: We had uh, one employee leave last week who had been... Subject to I think six or seven robberies in the last six weeks and just she just had enough
2: now EPS and Canada's largest private sector liquor retailer Alcana have created a five hundred thousand dollar grant Half will be prize money for an entrepreneur who comes up with a solution that will drastically reduce the crime The other 250,000 will be used to put it into action
5: whoever wants to Compete on this will get the resources so they will get access to uh, non-confidential data.
2: The short list of solutions will be vetted and then tried out in different Edmonton liquor stores for 90 days. Lisa McGregor, Global News.
0: So we had heard Loren of. Liquor store operators, uh, both private and public, coming to Manitoba to see what we're doing to deal with this situation once again. And hate to emphasize this, but we often feel like we're alone in dealing right. with this. We are not. Uh, they've been coming to Manitoba to see what MLCC is doing in order to to prevent these crimes and the reaction to them. Now to see this next-level initiative, I, I think is is quite eye-opening. And to see the statistics, maybe we should have just not told anyone where that story was being reported from and then let you know, hey, by the way, this isn't Winnipeg. Mm. This is actually in Edmonton.
1: Except for in uh, that system there, the opportunity for entrepreneurs to put their money on the table is so different because it's private industry, liquor sales are private in Alberta and in public care. And I'm not getting into that debate, I'm, I'm just, the, the idea in Alberta is that this business owner has just said, well, I've, I'm running this business, I'm the one taking the hit, so I'm going to take my money- And I've and run th- out of
0: ideas. Right.
1: And see what we can do about it. Same thing's happening here. We know they're working on ideas, we know they're trying to come up with solutions, we know, I think, I believe we're at three stores now in Winnipeg that have those changed entrances where you'll come in and have to show your ID before you can be led in to the next part of the store. So that's one of those changes. That that are in place, but what they're doing in Alberta is is just saying, is there anyone privately who's doing something that maybe we don't know about that could help us out? So, for example, they've already started using amalgamated data, artificial intelligence, machine learning to combat crime. And so now with this grant that they're throwing out this prize system, they're hoping to have a short list of applications that will come back to them and saying, here's some other things we're doing. Because he, because here's the thing, everyone's combating it in a different way. And so the idea is I think people in Manitoba, too, are turning to other retailers and saying, like you mentioned, that that whole conference we had a couple of weeks ago, what else can be done? What else give us more ideas. It's just that it's it's so shocking to hear that now money is being thrown on the table like this. Like, help. If, you, if you're like an inventor out there who has some wild idea, maybe it will work.
0: I don't know if it's the wild idea that will ultimately have the best effect. Our listeners were telling us from the get-go two years ago when we started discussing this, when this was first a problem. In our marketplace here in Winnipeg, and in Manitoba, why not make it like a bar? Make it where you have to present your ID to even get in the store. And here we are at some of those locations. And by all accounts, liquor stores won't tell us how it's working, but it sounds as though this change is being implemented and is effective in its implementation. And so now we're waiting to see it get rolled out into more stores. But uh, yeah, if you have a great idea, this is your opportunity mm-hmm. to pitch it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we got an ask out to the owner of this Alberta company to join us later this morning. As you mentioned, he's originally from Winnipeg. And so I know he's expressed his frustrations in the past. He even said in his news release yesterday that they've tried a number of things. He said, you know, we've tried various approaches with minimal success, so they're throwing out this hail mary.
0: I don't know what we're going to do if we win the jackpot as a group. Come to work tonight? Tomorrow. No. <laughs> just,
4: no.
3: Just, yes. Just no. Kelly and Forte show. Are do you
0: f- in? Are you in the group?
3: Do you have yes, your five of bucks. In? I've been in the group ever since. And you would I, still I, show up the you're work I would be at work in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Okay, I'll come with you. I'll be yeah, here. Our you. listeners None deserve that. So, hey, so you always, always, You
0: are going to be here, yeah. McNabb, because I paid your five bucks on yeah. your behalf. That's true. So you will be here. You take an eye off. off. No, no, you'll never it.
3: see me again. How much the listeners mean to you. That's true. I'll be here. I'll be here. Hey, have you guys
0: heard this story? The top floor of a downtown Winnipeg skyscraper is in shambles. Great word. Following a destructive rampage. However, this one instance is where the recklessness of the suspects came back to bite them. Global News reporter Tristan Field-Jones brings us the story.
6: At least an hour of destruction resulted in $30,000 of damage as a group of teens entered one of the towers at Fort Gary Place Sunday morning and began wreaking havoc. Constable Jay Murray describes what happened. The viewing or an observation area in this building, way up high, I think it's about 30 or 31 stories up. And um, these four suspects ended up getting access to this area. Um, They started to cause a lot of damage, uh, damages both to the interior of of that area, and I believe that they actually broke some windows too. So um, it's this extensive amount of damage. Uh, I know officers took a number of uh, precautions. Initially, I think they shut down foot traffic around the building to ensure that any of the, the damaged windows or, or anything that was used to damage the windows that, that wouldn't impact uh, the public walking around this building. But uh, it's been determined that they were able to, um, that there was no risk to the public down below after the, the incidents happened. Murray then explains what the teens tried to do following the destructive rampage. And as it turns out, their actions caught up to them. The suspects then chose to, uh, to ride in an elevator and um, I guess for our sake, they were conveniently were, were stuck in that elevator, so they certainly weren't on good behavior when they were in there, and, and I think that followed through into the elevator, so um, I believe that they caused themselves to get stuck in that elevator. Um, the maintenance person recognized that uh, the individuals uh, that were stuck in the elevator were likely responsible for the damage, and when officers arrived, they opened up that elevator and took them into custody. Murray summarizes this entire affair in one word karma in this situation. Um, and, and you really need to recognize the, uh, the efforts of that maintenance person to put the two things together to recognize that, A, there had been damage done in that observation area, and B, that you've got some kids stuck in an elevator. So, I mean, if you had he opened that elevator and let the kids go, we'd probably be behind a little bit, and, and there'd still be a lot more investigation we'd have to do to try track them down. But uh, so you really need to give some credit to, uh, to the awareness that that individual had. Three 17-year-old boys and a 14-year-old girl were arrested and charged.
0: I wonder where their parents are, but that's beside the point. Uh, It's going to be tough to plead not not guilty (laughs) to that one, I would suggest. McNabb, what are your thoughts?
1: We were asking the question earlier, when you hear a story like this, do you roll your eyes or do you think, yeah, that's kind of the state we've Winnipeg's become or we've had all this crime? And part of me also laughs because there I do enjoy a stupid criminal story. <laughs> yeah, like when, so when criminals when criminals doing dumb things or there used to be a show or something that you know, I I appreciate that.
4: We usually get at least one from the police over the winter about We just followed the the footprints in the snow until we found them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's part of me that thinks, okay, great, funny. And then there's another part that had us talking and wondering this morning, like, is this the kind of, you know, crime that you've just sort of become accustomed to? So when you see the headlines, do you even blink anymore?
3: Yeah, it, it kind of goes with the string of uh, liquor store incidents that we had as well, and, and I guess are still continuing, if you uh, believe, some of the reports uh, uh, that we've been getting via social media, not necessarily officially. Uh, but I, I guess the thing that and, – and, and maybe this would be one for uh, uh, Carolyn Klaassen or, or Dr. Cyrus, who joined Hal Anderson on a regular basis. What's the mentality here? Like, what's there to be gained by that? They're just kids. So it's
1: kids being kids?
3: Just being idiots, you know? Yeah. And, Was and there like,
1: something malicious at play, or is it just it's snowballs? You start off probably, doing one stupid thing. They're and They're
3: just bored and have nothing
1: to do. And, you know, that's why I think we should get rid of the Youth Criminal Justice Act. Or elevators
0: oh, yeah, that's it. Get rid (laughs) of elevators because this happened. Now we have to take the stairs. This is what you're coming to? No, obviously not. But uh, expand upon that a little bit, Jeff, this whole idea. You're the youngest one uh, among us. How do you view these uh, young people that are giving young people a bad name? or, Or is this... Uh, just a fact that
1: well, I just found we like- all used
0: to do stupid stuff, and this is just higher-level stupid stuff?
1: Well, yeah, well, $30,000 in damage, that's crazy. And I feel that, you know, kids think, oh, I'm under 18. I can get away with okay. this because of the Youth Criminal Justice Act, which, okay. you know, is protecting them. Do you think kids, do you think a teenager out there who's grabbing a bottle of booze or committing some vandalism actually thinks I'm not going to be punished for this? Because there is punishment. They, you can end up in jail and you can end up with um, years behind bars and it's not a nice situation. I'm not, it's better than when you're an adult and you end up in a – but a lot of adults are being convicted of, of crimes and don't spend more than a few months in jail either.
0: And multiple times.
1: Right.
3: Yeah. But so what Jeff finish? I'm
1: I,
0: I, I go, go, yeah
3: I really have nothing much more to
0: say just uh,
3: Oh come on you were on a roll
0: Fortune I, I, I like the I like the way you're thinking I just wanted to clarify where you're going with that uh, Bron you never did dumb stuff when you were a I kid did all
4: sorts of dumb stuff headline grabbing dumb stuff too for a small town and never got caught and <laughs> I will not elaborate any further until I But is that the difference is that
0: these kids got caught and just I don't the think anything, dollar value yeah, I don't think anything we
4: did was that expensive it was certainly expensive. Maybe I mean, this is pretty expensive. malicious in my mind. Yeah, I don't – it's one of those things. Sometimes, you know, like you, you saw – you see it with riots all the time or whatever where it starts off small enough and then things just weirdly snowball and especially if they're just up there and, oh, we broke a window, that sounded neat. Oh, there's 15 more windows. Let's keep breaking them. You know what I mean? It just adds up fast and it can escalate without people really thinking about it.
3: Yeah, I know um, I, I know. for us I, – I remember – a. a Certain incident where we were throwing snowballs at cars, and one time we hit the wrong car. The guy chased us deep into the bush. Luckily, we were able to, to get away from him. But I was thinking, man, we are going to get a beating and deserve it. For, for what we've been doing. Was that the
0: last snowball you ever threw at a car? I'm,
3: tr- uh-huh. I'm, I'm uh-huh. trying to I'm trying to think that maybe it was, but no, nah, probably there was the thrill of Was it because you were it's like what what it, is it, this iron horse that's coming towards me? I've no, never I, seen it, it before. It, it, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah and, and it wasn't out a boredom or anything else we had lots to do. You know, yeah. I played lots of sports. It was just it was one of those things that hey Let's let's see if we can hit a car doing 40 or 50 miles an hour and, Which and, could and see, yeah hurt somebody hurt the yes. car
1: stupid you know all those things but it's fun at the time so yeah. circling back to four chase point when there has to be rules for kids I'm not saying $30,000 damage is kids being kids, no. but the circle back to Fortier's idea about the Youth Criminal Justice Act and the idea that there's different punishments based on your age, it, there has to be allowances for the stupidity factor. Right. Let
3: me ask you this, though, because you're the most experienced journalist of all of us. Do you think kids are even aware— of the uh, 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 of what they have as an asset in terms of being under 18. Do you think most some, kids are aware some of that? Some
1: might, but I'd argue most don't. I really don't yeah. think most mm. 14 and 15... It might depend which circles think, you're yeah, in. Yeah, if they like, like
4: gang uh, involvement or something, they might or whatever. They might be aware.
1: And there might be people my who My
4: friends and I
3: certainly had no idea. Right, we know we'd get in trouble if we got caught. But, but you a,
1: weren't thinking I'm gonna, the police
3: yeah, are going to get in we trouble. We just didn't have common sense. That yeah, yeah, was yeah. our main issue.
0: You can't tell me that you haven't had a teenager or throw that in your face.
1: A youth criminal justice? Like, I won't go or to jail? You,
0: ca- you can't do that to me. You can't touch me. I'm over 12. You can't wow. touch me. I can make I'm my on, own decisions.
1: <laughs> well, if that's happening... That's happening.
5: They're a heck Wait, of a lot smarter than I for think. for
0: a long time. Some parents have been dealing with it for a long, long time. Two decades or more. I'll tell you a story off air. It's 6.56 on this Tuesday morning. Mackling McNabb. Thank you, Kelly Moore. Jeff Braun. Jeff Forche. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb with you. Brett is back on Monday and uh, I'll apologize for, for telling you that I was going to uh, have a chat with Loren off the air about something. It was just a super personal story. Just wanted to illustrate the fact that uh, with personal knowledge, I know going back 30 years that young people have been aware of their rights with regard to corporal punishment, what you can do in order to keep them in school or not keep them in school And I think this has just extended over time to the idea that Kids know if you're a troublemaker and you're intent on making trouble, I have zero doubt that a majority of these kids know what the law can do and cannot do to them.
1: This is to the point we were talking about the teens who were arrested for all the damage caused in Fort Gary Place. And Jeff Fortier, our producer, raised the point about, you know, the Youth Criminal Justice Act might allow people to think, oh, I'm not going to get severely punished. We had a texter, I'm not going to share his name, but he just wrote now saying, having wasted some significant part of my youth engaging in wantonly destructive and sometimes illegal behavior. I don't recall ever believing there was no consequences pending. I distinctly remember not caring about consequences. And he goes on to talk about it could have been hormones. It could have been that mob mentality. It could have just been your philosophy at the time. But it's it's there is something in teens where stupidity or bad choices will prevail. And so that idea that you should punish someone greater at that age. That's why I have a hard time saying we should make changes there.
0: And here's the flip side from a mother's point of view with youth getting into trouble. As a mother, my opinion is that the kids know their rights. We try to discipline, take phones away, et cetera, but we have no control. They don't go to school and there's nothing we can do. The kids get suspended. As parents, we have to go to work or take time off work depending on the age of the child to stay home with them. I watch the states uh, with kids going to boarding school where they have to go to school and follow the rules even just to get a treat and this texture went on with some other examples of why she feels this way. So keep those text messages coming. 780-6868. We have one text message on this next topic that we start this hour with, Loren.
1: And this one comes from one of our longtime listeners who talks about the Harvey Weinstein verdict that we saw yesterday and he said the things that blows him away in the States is there no statute of limitation on rape, sexual assault, but murder, Doesn't have one. So there is a statute of limitations in his opinion on on sexual assault, but not for murder. But his bigger point is he was assaulted at a young age. And our listener tells us his soul was murdered. And he says, people just don't understand how this affects you. That is his biggest takeaway from the verdict.
0: Mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein was found guilty on two counts of sexual assault yesterday at his trial. Sealing his dizzying fall from powerful Hollywood studio boss to arch villain of the Me Too movement, he was found guilty of criminal sex act for assaulting production assistant Mimi Haley at his apartment in 2006 and third-degree rape of a woman in 2013. Now that's a, an American terminology, right, Loren?
1: Yes, we don't have that same in our in our criminal code.
0: The jury found him not guilty. On the most serious charge, predatory sexual assault that could have resulted in a life sentence. This is Gloria Allred.
5: This is a legal reckoning for Harvey Weinstein. The three witnesses whom I represent have been role models in courage. Without them and their willingness to testify under oath in this case and without their willingness to be subjected to an intense and brutal cross-examination, this result would never have been won. So,
1: cumulatively, Weinstein could face a maximum sentence of nearly 30 years behind bars. His sentencing is March 11th. Nicole Shamartin is executive director at Clinic Community Health and joins us now. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. We're wondering what the impact of verdict like this has, a, a conviction. Some might be breathing a sigh of relief. It might be a wake-up call for others. Our question this morning, is it permission? Is it help more people to reach out to places like yours?
5: I think it's really mixed. You know, every every experience is is really um, it's really individual. You know, just like uh, the, the texture you were just talking about. So I think for some people, it can it can be it can trigger sort of past pain, right? Um, so it may not. Uh, be something that promotes them reaching out for others. It might be something that really um, emboldens them to reach out for support. Uh, it, It really depends.
0: And so does it have the the same effect in terms of contemplating coming forward when you look at the results and, and the determination of the jury yesterday, does it make people go or could it have a variety of effects in terms of how you view whether or not I should come forward and testify at a trial to share my story on a broader sense, never mind just in a confidential way to maybe get some counseling help or some one-on-one uh help with this
5: yeah well i think you said it right like it, it could have a variety of effects and i think that's exactly it so well it will have effects so that's that's the the nail there um so depending on on a person's experience some people will see this as 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 a success right i mean we've seen a conviction we've seen uh that's that's a success. It wasn't it wasn't a, a full conviction, but at least it was a partial conviction. Um, for some people, that might make them feel like there might be a chance of success for themselves. You know, and for everybody, what what healing looks like is different for everyone. It may not be going through the formal justice system. You also see what people go through going through the formal justice system, right? Like we, you know, that that. The barriers, uh, what it's like to go through a trial, what it's like to testify, that can, that can be really um, hard for people to watch and, and can be a bit of a, a deterrent. But you're right, there's other things you can reach out for. You can reach out for support. You can reach out to talk to someone. In Manitoba, we have a third-party reporting system, which so you can at least report anonymously. So there are lots of different ways to reach out for support.
1: This story, Weinstein, the allegations, the convictions against him—he—he he was part of the whole idea of getting the conversation going in the Me Too movement, coming forward and saying, "We're not going to put up with this any longer." Uh, whoever, whoever the survivors or victims might be, the conversation continues. At this hour for many men and women across this this country, and I know here in Winnipeg we had allegations uh, that surfaced last week in a civil lawsuit against Peter Nygaard. Again, none of those allegations have been proven in court, but I'm curious, when another case like this pops up, whether it be in a civil court or criminal court, what's the impact on anyone who might be dealing with their own past trauma? Did you see any uptick in calls as a result of those allegations last week, Nicole?
5: yeah we do so um we did go back we do go back and look, and we did see uh spikes in calls with both of the prominent cases so um yeah, so definitely we know that it is impacting community it is uh it is encouraging people or or causing people to reach out, so what what we can guess is that it it certainly is triggering people either to want to talk about their own experiences to want to get support it might be encouraging people to consider reporting Um, some folks in this case in the Nygard case might actually have a personal connection that they may want to be talking about Um, so uh, for sure it is encouraging people to reach out
1: Just quickly before we let you go, Nicole, because we run out of time. If people are trying to reach out, where do they go? How do they get hold of clinic?
5: So you can you can call the Clinic Sexual Assault Reporting Line. Um, just go to clinic.mb.ca to look up all of our various lines, but the sexual assault reporting line is the is the best way to start. We have a toll-free line for all of Manitoba and there's a Winnipeg-based reporting line. It's 24 hours. You can call anytime. And just we want to, you know, remind people that you can call um, for your personal experience. You can also call as a support person or to get information. Um, and it it doesn't have to be about reporting you can call for support um, you know it's that's not always the goal is reporting that's not always what what people need to do to heal
1: clinic crisis line 204-786-8686 nicole thanks for your time
0: thank you very much and of course that is clinic with a k concern about a widening outbreak spooked investors Yesterday, we're talking coronavirus here.
1: Yeah, U.S. markets suffered their worst day in more than two years. They, it was down more than 1,000 points. Canada's main index, TSX, posted a triple-digit loss. So we have concerns about the economy, the impact on the economy with the coronavirus, and also just about the spread of this disease and what we may not know about it. So we're at 80,000 cases. After 8, we're going to talk to, uh, we call him the germ guy, Jason Tetro. <laughs> he has a great blog, great podcast. But he's he was tweeting last night about his concerns that we don't know about the undiagnosed cases. We're not really clear why is it spread to northern Italy. What's going on in Iran? Iran. We know here in Canada, they're, they're even saying we're not at the pandemic stage yet, but we have a flu crisis as always every year, and we don't want coronavirus to get worse while we're while we're still dealing with winter flu. And so, Jason has a bunch of questions about the data he thinks is missing in this conversation.
0: The Economic questions, a big one with regard to coronavirus, also with regard to blockades. We're going to talk extensively in about ten minutes' time about the. Blockades. What are you seeing in southern Ontario this morning? They
1: moved into Belleville, removed those protesters last night. That prompted new protest blockades to go up on different highways. One in Hamilton now this morning, shutting down rail traffic there with protesters saying, yep, they've been handed an injunction. Guess what? They lit it on fire. They've burned it. They're not paying any attention to the rule here. They're they're staying put. To
0: start this half hour... Time for Breakfast with the Bombers. It's brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca. A better place for you. For the first time since this time last year, feels as though the Canadian Football League is finally taking a bit of a breather. With free agency now in the rear view mirror. The next major event on the CFL calendar is the CFL Draft in early May. And our guest. Uh, corrects me on that, this makes this the perfect time to take a look backwards and forwards at what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have done with the voice of the Blue Bombers, Bob Irving. Good morning, Mr. Irving.
7: Good morning, you guys.
0: So are we looking ahead to the CFL draft? Is that the next thing on the CFL calendar, calendar, Bob?
7: Yeah, that would be the next major thing. I think, uh, Greg, and it's funny, I was thinking this morning, the training camp's not that far away, the middle of May. As a matter of fact, the Bombers have a preseason game in May, a preseason game in May. Think about that. That's never happened before, to my recollection, May 24th. uh, They're at home to Calgary in their first preseason game, so the football season is rapidly approaching.
0: So what's going on tomorrow night? What have you got in store for listeners to 680CJOB?
7: Well, we've done this the last few uh, winters. We call it our Blue Bomber Winter Special. We give Christian O'Mell a night off between 7 and 9, and I'll take over the Sports Show, and uh, we'll talk Blue Bombers for two hours. Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea will join me. So will Andrew Harris and Pat Newfeld and Darvin Adams and Zach Kolaris, Wade Miller, and our own Doug Brown will drop by for his thoughts on what's gone on during the off season. So it'll be two hours of Blue Bombers from front to back uh, catching up on the free agent additions and just looking at their roster and Maybe comparing two to to how they stack up against the other teams in the West Division. Look forward to it tomorrow night, seven to nine, two hours of solid blue and gold. They're the Grey Cup champions, by the way.
1: Oh, we know, and I was <laughs> I was just had me thinking. There's not much off to this off season because I've seen all sorts of players. You know, they're making the rounds with the Grey Cup. They're touring it around the province. I think I saw Adam Big Hill talking about how he might be in Dauphin today or tomorrow. And so it's been a busy off season. You mentioned the idea you might even take a look at how we compare to other teams as we head into this new season. what What's your opinion on, on where we rank?
7: Well, I think they've done a good job, Loren, of uh, bringing back their their key free agents. They've re-signed, and everybody knows, Zach Kolaris, Willie Jefferson, Darvin Adams, their offensive line, basically. Pat Newfeld, Hardrick Bryant, uh, Michael Couture, uh, Johnny Augustine, Jake Thomas, Nick Taylor, Mercy Maston, who were key players in the Grey Cup. They've re-signed. All of those people added uh, one or two, not big-name free agents, but I think a couple of guys will help. Now, they lost four guys to the NFL, and there's nothing you can do about that in Strebler, Rose, Sales, and Jonathan and Of course, we all know about the quarterback situation where they chose to keep Kolaris and let Matt Nichols go. But when you think about uh, the players they could have lost to free agency, I think they've done a fantastic job. And as always, the West is going to be very very tough I mean Calgary will be good Saskatchewan will be good the BC Lions I think will be better uh, than they were last year Edmonton should be a solid team so it's going to be the same old same old in the West but the Bombers are nicely positioned I think to uh, defend their Grey Cup championship and you talk about uh, sort of getting mileage out of the Grey Cup win it seems never ending and it's been what now three or four months ago and they were out in Brandon last weekend at a Wheat Kings game and spent a couple of days out there at different sites in Brandon and were royally received. Mm-hmm. And of course, they had the Grey Cup trophy with them. They might have worn the Grey Cup trophy out this off season with all the places they've taken it. So. It's been a great celebration that hasn't ended yet.
0: Well, and Brandon, traditionally sort of a split between blue and gold and green and white. Uh, Bob, probably even as far back as when you used to work in Brandon. I know I used to get a hard time as a kid for being a Blue Bomber fan growing up in Brandon. But the Wheat Kings took it next level last Friday night by wearing Winnipeg Blue Bomber inspired jerseys. BWK, Brandon Wheat Kings, the W was the Blue Bomber W. They went to a white jersey with blue and gold striping. And by all accounts, I saw so much social media. They had the Grey Cup at Keystone Centre, of course, on the ice. Then they had it out uh, for the masses to enjoy it and at Brandon Shopper's Mall. So uh, the Bombers doing a great job of extending uh, this love affair, not only with Winnipeg, but the province overall.
7: Well, you're right, Greg. Traditionally, Brandon, there's been a lot of Rough Rider fans out there, possibly more than there are or have been Bomber fans. So that's an area the Bombers are... You know, trying to cultivate and winning that championship gives them a a real inroad, I think, to that area. And based on how well they were received on the weekend, I think they made some great strides out in Brandon. It's interesting what winning a championship and hauling that Grey Cup trophy around uh, will do and the impact that it has on people. I think it's gone beyond what anybody expected in that regard.
1: I think it's proof the, how big the game is, and you might not think about that, particularly, you know, they're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but they're, they're Manitoba's team. And, and to see the impact it's had, they've gone to First Nations communities, they've gone up north, and to see all those blue and gold sweaters and jerseys and toques, kind of, it's taken, taken me aback a bit because I don't often think of the widespread impact of this team.
7: No, I, you're right, Loren, and I, I think a lot of us... Uh, we're mad, taken aback, surprised a bit uh, by just the reaction to the win. And I suppose it's because it's been so long since they won the Grey Cup that it's just been over the top. And right across the province, of course, everybody loves a winner, as they say. And when you haul that trophy up there with you, uh, I've been up close with that Grey Cup trophy many times, and it really is a special item and unless you've seen it and touched it, and a lot of people have had a chance to do that this off-season, I don't think you really appreciate how, just how special and, and the magic that emanates from that trophy. So. Uh... I think that's been a big part of what's gone on.
0: Yeah, and the merchandise that's available now to celebrate mm-hmm. the victory versus what was available in 1990 is uh, it's it's there's no comparison really. And so, uh, as someone who has the odd Grey Cup champion 1990 or 1988 sweatshirt in his tickle trunk, I can tell you that the <laughs> that the options now to celebrate the Blue Bombers with merchandise or merch, as the kids call it, uh, just dramatically different. Bob, thank you as always. One more time pitch uh pitch your special tomorrow night we'll, we'll be waiting uh, eagerly for it
7: yeah we're gonna push poor old christian Amel aside, and i'll do the sports show and from seven to nine the sports show will be a blue bomber winter special the general manager the head coach mike o'Shea a bunch of players andrew harris uh, zach calaris among them doug brown will join us It'll be two hours of blue and gold of the Grey Cup champions. You heard that, eh?
0: We heard that. Uh, it is a rumor that has been verified. Bob doesn't Irving, that
8: sound great?
0: I just it does. love how
7: it doesn't
1: get old. And <laughs> it I- doesn't. It rolls off the
0: tongue. <laughs> it, it would be nice to, you know, the two-time defending Grey Cup champions. Yeah. I guess that'll be part of the conversation tomorrow night. Bob, thanks as always for your time, sir.
7: Okay, you guys.
0: To uh, look back at what we've been discussing the last couple hours, we got a great text message from a loyal listener.
1: On a couple of the issues we've been addressing. uh, First of all, we were telling everybody about those teens that were arrested. They were found trapped in the elevator, by the way, of Fort Gary Place, which is the building they're accused of vandalizing to the tune of $30,000 in damage. The
0: observation deck at the top of the one building on Assiniboine Avenue there, just behind the hotel, Fort Gary, right. Fort Gary Hotel, whatever they call it now. at Yeah, about $30,000 worth of damage to that. And they got trapped in an elevator. <laughs> they
1: got trapped in the elevator, which is how they got caught. It had us talking about these crimes and youth crimes and the question about whether or not there's enough punishment in place. Joanne texted about that. She texted about... Blockades, and she texted about Harvey Weinstein's verdict. First of all, her first point yes, these young hooligans definitely know that they won't get in trouble till after they are 18 years old. Two, on the blockades, you do not reward bad behavior. Number one rule, why are we rewarding these protesters instead of arresting them? Because they are breaking the law. And her third point on the Weinstein verdict in our conversation about the triggering effects the verdicts can have on survivors. Yeah, we
0: had Nicole Shermartin from Clinic uh, call us and uh, have a chat with us. Your last call really, really resonates with me as Clinic saved my life. These cases definitely bring up horrible memories, but thanks to clinic, I am okay. Keep the feedback coming, 204-780-6868. Starting this hour with coronavirus now known more commonly, maybe less commonly, but more scientifically as COVID-19.
1: The latest confirmed case, of which there are now 11 in Canada, is a man in his 40s in BC. So far, Canada has been able to isolate and detect these cases of coronavirus largely because of the screening system that we have in place at our borders. But Canada's chief public health officer, Dr. Theresa Tam, says the window of opportunity to contain the novel coronavirus is closing as it begins to spread to more countries. And so she says the goal now is to slow the spread of the virus until at least after we get through this busy flu season.
5: By delaying even a little bit, we might be able to um, reduce uh, the impact now and sort of uh, de- Making sure that our health system has gone past influenza season um, is a very specific um, public health uh, objective.
0: Now the biggest outbreak is still in China, close to 80,000 cases. But there are also big outbreaks in Japan, Korea, as well as Iran and northern Italy. One of the big worries is what we don't know about the virus, including how many cases remain undetected.
1: Jason Tetro is a microbiologist and host of the podcast, The Super Awesome Science Show, and he joins us now. Good morning, Jason. Oh, good morning. Well, thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, your tweets last night caught my attention when it comes to coronavirus, and I want you okay. to share a little bit about this because you have some concerns about what kind of what we don't know, the data that you think is missing from this equation.
9: Yeah. Um, essentially, we're at a situation right now where um, other than a, a few very small places of clusters, um, like we're hearing about uh, in South Korea and also in Iran and, and Northern Italy, uh, where we're hearing about the deaths, um, which are really fitting what you would normally expect from deaths with something like, you know, a flu. Uh, they're very old uh, individuals. They, they have these um, uh, pre-existing conditions. Uh, You know, these are the people who are at their most weakest and therefore probably are the ones who are, you know, unfortunately going to pass away. But if you look in Hubei province, it's everybody. I mean, we hear the reports of these very healthy people coming down with the virus and passing away, which is not what we're hearing about in the rest of the world. So what I'm concerned about is that there's something about this virus that seems to be very, very dangerous in China or in Hubei province, but not necessarily anywhere else in the world. And so right now, what I'm hoping is that sort of as the cases start to drop in China, as we're starting to see, and it starts to level off and China gets back to normal, we'll be able to look back at the people who were infected and unfortunately died and find out whether or not there was something special about either their immunities or the virus itself that led to these problems.
0: When we see what they've done in China, unprecedented, shutting down some of the largest cities, not only in China, but on the entire planet, Uh, not Mm -hmm. every country is going to be able to mobilize like this. And we see these cases in Iran and now northern Italy, Korea, Japan. I heard someone uh, bring up the thought, what if... Somebody gets infected or a group of people get infected in a country. The example used was Syria, where things are in disarray on every level in that country. What would an outbreak of this disease look like in a country like that?
9: Uh, lots of people would probably be infected and nothing would happen. They would probably just seem to be a little bit ill. Um, the, most peop- the people who are most vulnerable uh, would end up dying, but that would probably end up being uh, completely missed as a result of a lack of health care. And as a, you know, essentially, if you don't have the ability to test for this virus, whether it be through um, you know, a, a scan test or through the genetic test, then you're never going to know. And I think this is the big thing that we're dealing with in some of these places like Iran, is that they don't have the the capacity, they don't have the number of tests that are necessary to be able to identify every single person. But if a person ends up being in the ICU or passes away, obviously they're going to be prioritized. So we're seeing this bias towards people who have unfortunately died in comparison to everybody else. And now we're hearing from certain people that they're talking sort of behind the scenes that maybe um, most people probably will come into contact with this virus and no one will ever know, especially, you know, in a place like the United States, because A, the testing just isn't available for everybody, and B, we've got cold and flu season, so how are you going to know the difference?
1: Do we have that testing here, Jason? We only have about 20 seconds. Are are we prepared here on that level?
9: Uh, Yeah, I mean, Canada has taken the lead for the last 10, actually 17 years when it comes to this, in Canada, it's the best place to be when you have an outbreak such as this.
0: Jason Tetro, he is a microbiologist and host of the podcast, Super Awesome Science Show. Jason, sorry we didn't have more time with you. We'll uh, make sure we set aside a larger block of time for you next time. Thank you, sir. Thank you very
9: much.
1: Macklin, McGarry, and McNabb, but in a first Fortier, has this ever happened before?
3: No, it's the first time.
1: It is just me in the studio. Lock the door, lock the door. (laughs) Here comes Greg. Walking in as we say hello to you, 906 this Nice Tuesday morning. Brett McGarry is off this week, but he will join us at 9.15 to talk about his night at Monday Night Raw. Do they still call it that? Mm-hmm. They do? It's still raw? hmm Greg went to grab some breakfast. He rejoins us now because we want to rejoin our listeners with the conversation we started at around 6.30, Greg, uh, about liquor store thefts, thefts in general. We know it's not just a Manitoba problem a scene Manitobans have become all too familiar with, rushing into a liquor store, grocery store, clothing store, and rushing out with stolen items. Alberta and Edmonton have been dealing with similar thefts for the past few months, and in liquor stores alone, robberies at some locations are up 300%.
0: Here is the quote from CEO of Elkanah, the largest private sector liquor retailer in the country. He says, in cooperation with Edmonton Police Service, we have tried various approaches to get these robberies and thefts under control, but with minimal success to date. Sorcana has come up with a new idea, a massive cash prize in hopes of someone, anyone, can come up with a solution.
2: Edmonton police say there's been an alarming rise in liquor store thefts and they need to try something new to fight the problem before it turns deadly.
3: You're seeing bear spray, you're seeing knives, you're seeing guns. The reality of somebody getting hurt in this environment, unless we start taking a stab at it, is going to happen. So, you know, if we can get ahead of it and prevent as many of these as we can, let's get on it.
2: It's costing millions of dollars in police resources and millions more in stolen property. In 2019, liquor stores were robbed an average of 26 times a day adding up to more than 9,500 last year alone.
4: We've had stores that had five or six robberies in the same day.
2: The thefts are taking a toll on the people who work at these liquor stores.
4: We had uh, one employee leave last week who had been uh, subject to I think six or seven robberies in the last six weeks and just she just had enough.
2: Now EPS and Canada's largest private sector liquor retailer Alcana have created a $500,000 grant Half will be prize money for an entrepreneur who comes up with a solution that will drastically reduce the crime. The other 250000 will be used to put it into action.
5: Whoever wants to compete on this will get the resources so they will get access to uh, non-confidential data.
2: The short list of solutions will be vetted and then tried out in different Edmonton liquor stores for 90 days. Lisa McGregor, Global News.
0: Now when we first talked about this, spoke, discussed this issue in Manitoba, we had some incredible ideas from our listeners. So perhaps if you're out there and you can uh, put together a business plan in uh, some sort of basic form, you might want to get in on this because one of the ideas that I thought was the best was the solution that Manitoba liquor has implemented at at least three, if not more stores Uh, the idea of having to show your ID to someone Before you enter the store right now, those locations, I believe, are at Jefferson and Main, Tyndall Park, and on Portage Avenue, Uh, that's at Burnell Street, and you have to go in. It's like when you go to a nightclub, you have to present your ID. The last time I was at one of those stores, Loren, the gentleman in front of me, his driver's license had, in fact, expired. They let him into the store, but they told him, you know, you can't come back here Mm -hmm. again with that situation. So uh, that was one of the solutions that was presented. It's been implemented. What's next? And I guess the uh, whole idea that this is a Manitoba-only situation, does Misery Love Company that much?
1: Well, it, it does. I think you do when it might help come up with other solutions, so it feels it doesn't feel good to know this is happening elsewhere. It kind of makes you question what's going on uh, with society or with root causes of theft and, and all the rest. You don't feel good about that. But when you're dealing with a problem and you're looking for solutions, the more voices that have possible solutions, the better. So you look at Alberta. If this—say this—, say this uh, project have a $250,000 grant comes up with a solution that helps make a difference, then wouldn't we want to also learn from that, right? And so the the article that we've shared with you, the story we've shared with you, it has Alcana, this is the owner of the largest liquor retailer in the country. It has him saying $250,000 is not a lot of money in the face of the millions of dollars mm. that they've lost. And so that's why they're putting up this cash. They've already put in ID scanners at three of their Edmonton stores. We read you that quote about them saying that hasn't really made much of a difference, so that's why they're opening up the opening up the coffers so to speak and saying, well if you've got something come to us because because they can't continue to go on like this. And so yep, they had police come out yesterday in Edmonton and say we want to find out the root causes. We want to learn more about this. But when you have someone bear sprayed, someone threatened to be stabbed, someone had a gun pulled on them at an Edmonton store, they're saying it's, it's someone's really going to get hurt. You looked at this idea yesterday in Winnipeg. Uh, We had a news release from Winnipeg police about an off-duty officer making an arrest or or attempting to make an arrest in a liquor store robbery. And what they then found, its you know, sometimes it might be teens just behaving badly, but it's more than that.
0: Yeah, in this case, they found cocaine, they found guns, they found cash in a suspect's home that they traced uh, back uh, to the origins of of, uh, Ross Avenue. And so we got a release on that yesterday. And over the weekend, somebody asking, have these things Stopped happening. I'm not hearing them in the media. Is the media covering them up? We're not covering them up until police tell us or Manitoba liquor, lotteries, gaming and cannabis tell us that it's happening. We don't know that they're happening unless we see video on social media. And even then it's sort of an alleged event. So uh, these organizations uh, have to tell us when they're happening. One question before I let you, before we uh, bring Brett McGarry onto the air to talk about Monday night raw at what point does this become a workplace safety and health issue?
1: Oh no, we're there. I think
0: we're beyond that it, now. We're are we absolutely
1: not? there. We had a we had someone hurt in Winnipeg just a few months ago. We're absolutely there, and I, part of me likes to think that the silence we're hearing and the fact that I haven't witnessed much is that maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed. Maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed. Things are improving. It's WWE
0: Mac. Tom says. <laughs> it hasn't been WWF for 20 years. I could never remember. I enjoyed the wrestling back in the day, but it was AWA wrestling when I used to watch it. Back in the good old days, me and Gene Okerlund and uh, uh, Hulk Hogan. What about and Ricky the Avra-
1: Dragon Steamboat? Oh, absolutely. I think that's WWF. Well, why don't we ask? is uh, that our next guest. Let's ask our friend.
0: Morning,
8: Brett. Hello there. What are you doing
0: <laughs> you... i don't know
8: why i'm up why aren't you sleeping, i went to man? bed at like 3 30.
0: oh no really? did you actually go to bed
8: though or did you sleep on the couch i did i did go to i did make it to bed that's two nights in a row i actually went to bed like a responsible adult oh
1: you're Good growing up you. so fast before our eyes brett so first of all yeah. ricky the dragon steamboat that was wwf time do you remember
8: yeah that's yeah. right world wrestling federation
1: so last night, it looks like—I mean, first of all, uh, pictures from people driving around downtown. I had someone talk about how they were near the rink and saw folks in different costumes. There was big trucks parked outside. Quite the production for WWE.
8: It is a huge production. They—they—they they, they, they cut off, I think, about one fifth of the of the the rink to set up their what they call the they used to call their Titantron. It's just this gigantic digital screen slash stage where. They project video on it for each wrestler that comes out. They get their own theme song. They get their own video. They they show video highlights on it. It is a massive, massive production. And it was so cool to see it again in Winnipeg because it's been 15 years since they've had a televised event in Winnipeg. The last time they were here for that, they did Raw on Monday night, which was live. And then they taped SmackDown the next night so that it would air on Thursday, but they rarely do TV events here because Winnipeg's kind of uh, almost an island, so to speak, so it's difficult for them to sneak it in on their tour. So, man, it was exciting. to I, I don't follow wrestling anymore, but it was still cool to go back because I used to be a, a big fan. Like, I won a contest from Power 97 19 years ago to fixed. go be WrestleMania. Fixed. <laughs> What's that? It's fixed. I, hey, I wasn't working for the company yet. <laughs> I
3: know you weren't. So
1: how, what's it, like, how has it changed in the sense of the, the show, the concept still seems relatively the same, but maybe I'm wrong. Like, what have you seen a shift when you go to that show 19 years ago to now? Or is it overall the mood and the attitude and the tone still the same?
8: The big shift for, for what I could tell is the women's division is. Almost like when my buddy who still watches wrestling religiously, he says the women's division is probably the biggest draw right now or one of the biggest draws because the women uh, in the late 90s, the people were starting to take them seriously. Some of the women were actually... Starting to be taken uh, seriously as wrestlers, but for the most part, the women's division used to be a distraction. It used to be more about how they looked, and now the the women wrestlers are all amazing. And just looking around and seeing various kids wearing the women's uh, merchandise, that was really cool to see. I like that because I used to enjoy when the, the the serious women wrestlers would come out. I liked watching them because they can do things that the guys can't. They are a lot of, a lot more acrobatic at times. So it's nice to see that uh, the women's division is now such a big draw. Like, it was the main event last year at WrestleMania when Ronda Rousey was in it. So uh, it was cool to see that and see the kids get excited about the women's division. Um, because I, And it's just a very diverse cast as well, too. So, uh, yeah, it's it, the show has evolved. Not so... It's not as... Uh, violent and and, and it, in the '90s it was the attitude era, so it was kind of grungy and whatnot. But now it uh, seems to be more inclusive and and fun and friendly. As I mean, as friendly as wrestling can get, it's still about guys beating each other up in the middle of the ring.
0: <laughs> now, in fear of uh, forgetting somebody, Winnipeg has long been a wrestling hotbed. Uh, for the last 40 years, some of the biggest stars have either come out of Winnipeg or have spent a, a lot of time here. How popular was the show last night, Brett? Before we let you go
8: it was almost full i i only counted a few open seats so like it was it was packed the crowd was hot and uh yeah i, I think that uh even I, there were probably a lot of people like me who just went to go but there were definitely some some diehard wrestling fans there so hopefully wwe keeps us on their map and comes back soon do
1: you still get sucked into it though do you find yourself cheering and screaming when you never thought you would
8: yeah, and I, like I don't know who any of the characters are anymore. I don't know any of the storylines, but I was booing, I was cheering, it was fun.
0: Brett, I'm doing that thing that you do. I've got the two hands above my head. I'm doing the timeout call. We uh, appreciate the time, buddy. Enjoy your holidays. We'll see you on Monday.
8: All right, guys. Yeah.
1: Things have come to a pretty pass. Our romance is growing flat. For you like this and the other While
0: I go for this You don't want a little Ella Fitzgerald to lighten your day?
1: Goodness knows I just what don't, I... Is this a song with a purpose? Is she singing about what we're about to talk about?
0: Come on, there's always a method to the madness. <laughs>
1: Do you know? Does our next guest know this song? Here we go. Okay, listen. Something must be
3: done You say "Be yeah. done <laughs> I say I You say neither and I
0: right. say neither I get it Neither Fita, patata. Neither 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 936 On this thing. Tuesday morning yes, Ella and Louie is it Louis or Louis Armstrong? Louis. I was going to say it's Louis. Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. But I hear people say Louis Armstrong. It and it, just, it just doesn't feel right.
1: Well, I, we're, we're going to get corrected a few times this morning because we're talking about <laughs> potato week. Potato? potato? Potato. Potato. Tracy shinners Carnelli is the VP of Research and Quality at Peak of the Market. Joins us now. Obviously, you know the song. Have you been correcting people all week? Or are we at the point where people get now? It's potato week.
10: You know what? Some people say potato. Some people say potato. Where do you sit? Well... This week I'm saying potato a lot because it's a great way to reintroduce our favorite vegetable to people within uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba.
1: Let's talk about this concept. We've we've had all sorts of different weeks, you know, Burger Week and Poutine Week we just had and Pizza and Potato is something that's pretty homegrown. It's, it's I, PEI might be who you think of first, but Manitoba, ma'am, we sure produce a lot of potatoes. Yeah,
10: we sure do. And, you know, um, our production of potatoes here in Manitoba has been increasing uh, in the last number of years because of people's love, not just in Manitoba, but in North America and the world, for potatoes. Um, and, of course, at peak of the market, our specialty is fresh potatoes. So the ones that... Um, we buy at grocery stores and people take home and prepare themselves or the types of um, potatoes you get in a restaurant and mashed and, and all kinds of different uh, ways that they're prepared. And potato week is a great way to showcase our great potatoes that are grown here in Manitoba. And potato, potato, it's a way of reintroducing this very versatile vegetable.
0: And it's uh, incredible to see how creative these chefs get in terms of turning uh, an old friend into something brand new.
10: Yeah, you're right. You know, when we think about potatoes, potatoes, I think we all have, you know, kind of a our staple um, way that we like to enjoy them. But they are so versatile. And the great thing about potato week has been that restaurants have been invited to participate in this event and put forward their creative take on how to prepare uh, potatoes. And there's some great uh, examples of fabulous recipes that have come forward.
1: We have a master tater, a white truffle pizza. We have a rustic Potato pancake, uh, blue team. I don't even know what that is. It's blue cheese Alfredo, shaved Parmesan. with whoa, whoa, the, where is that? I'm just on the. Uh, that's at Chez Cafe and Lounge. That's on Ooh. Corden, correct? Yeah. <laughs> and we've got with us potato. Are these so these are donuts from O Donuts, one of our favorite donut shops. But they're potato based. Yeah,
10: they're a great name. Spudnuts.
1: Spud you nuts.
10: Spudnuts. nuts. Spud nuts. Yes. So these donuts are fabulous. Um, great flavor and a great sweet and savory
1: example of the treats that you can make with Potatoes. Which I never would have thought of. I'm always thinking of adding, you know, onions and bacon and sour cream, which don't get me wrong, amazing.
10: So that donut, you know, it it looks like a sugar donut, but of course it is made with um, potatoes. And there's a mix of salt and pepper mixed with that sugar. Greg's eating his right now. I just want to point out. Yeah. And it just makes it pop. It's delicious. And the texture is wonderful.
0: It's super heavy. You're not used to that. And so it's got some substance to it.
1: More like a like it a It might
0: need some sour cream.
1: Oh. No. You maybe could.
0: I may, maybe oh. I just came up with my own idea <laughs> cuz sour cream glazed is actually my favorite donut from, you know, the the big <laughs> brand name place. But if uh, you mix this with a little uh, sour cream glaze, you might have a real champion here. But this is very, very good.
1: We're talking a lot about, like, you know, um, an industry that I often wonder if people think about what's where it came from when it's being mm-hmm. put on their plate, right? And so you can think of so many vegetables now that are grown right here in Manitoba. Um, do with a belt, like a potato belt, I know if I pass through portage, I'll pass by the plants that make the french fries and all the rest. Yep. Is there a specific area where we're seeing most of them grown?
10: Yeah, absolutely. So potato production really has to be uh, located in areas where you have the right soil types and availability of water and the right climate. So that means that there are a few regions within our province that are really um, the potato areas. So for fresh potatoes, the majority of those are grown um In the south part of the city, uh, so I would, or from the city, in Carmen area down through to the U.S. border, so Carmen, Winkler, Morden, all the way through to Rosetown. Now, those potatoes that are grown for processing, that get turned into French fries and other frozen products, those tend to be grown Portage and West, through to Carberry, Treehurn. Um, and down into the Shiloh area.
1: So the fun thing about this potato week is that you're not just getting chefs to come up with new recipes and new ways to cook and new ideas and bringing people in to enjoy it, but you're supporting something local as well.
10: Yeah, absolutely. And it really is a showcase of the diversity of what you can do with uh, potatoes. You know, from the donuts that you tried here today, uh, when you take a look at the website, potato.ca, it's amazing to see that there are appetizers, side dishes, main dishes and a few other desserts. You know, we've got donuts, but there's also ice cream and brownies. So who'd think that Cookies that's possible, and cream but ice it's cream. delicious.
0: Potato ice cream. That's, I, that's something that I don't think I've ever tried. But
1: potato meaty lasagna.
0: Super uh, familiar with the fact that it exists. But Tracy, with uh, people shifting tastes and the conscientiousness that people seem to have about eating is the potato under attack to a certain extent, because, you know, it's a carbohydrate, correct? And so people are looking to cut that from their diet. Is this a way to counteract some of that? Or is it just about education as well, about where potatoes might fit into a, a healthy
10: diet? Well, it's, it's, it's all part of that. Uh, certainly potatoes have been under attack, um, over the years, uh, But, you know, when you get down to the basics, potatoes are a great nutritious food. Um, It's great value. When you eat potatoes, uh, they have a high level of satiety, so they make you feel nice and full relative to some of the other items you might put on your plate instead of a potato. And when you break it down in its simplest form, um, potato is a good nutritious food. A medium potato only has 100 calories. So it's not the potato itself that is the problem. Mm -hmm. It's often all the other things that you load onto that. Like the sour cream, Greg. Yeah, the sour cream or the bacon, right? But um, those are all great things and great in moderation. But the part about potatoes is that you can add those higher fat type toppings, but it's also a nice accompaniment to so many other things that you can put on your plate or on top of your potato that uh, fit into your diet really well.
1: So how many restaurants do we have participating this week? It's the, the, the potato week started last Friday. It goes until this weekend? Until March 1st. Yeah, so it's amazing. There are
10: 117 restaurants wow. located all throughout the city. And how has that grown from previous years? Do you know? It has grown. This is a third uh, potato uh our potato week that we've had and every year the number of restaurants has increased and of course the diversity of
1: the restaurants
10: there are coffee shops fast food family restaurants and fine dining
1: and we crowned a champion at the end of this week yes Did so they get like a spud crown what do they get for this you know, spud lives yeah. in
0: carberry right
10: <laughs> <laughs> you you get the title of being a potato week champion and Once you go out and visit the restaurants, you can get on the website and vote for your favorite.
1: I have one quick question before we let you go, Tracy. I always loved the red potato. I have no idea why. Do do you... Do, if you put an expert into a taste test, can you tell the difference between the red and the yellow and the Yukon and the gold? and the? Absolutely, you can. Can you? <laughs> yeah, I can. Well, next year I'm challenging you to that. Then. Perfect. I look forward to that. I'm going to boil that. like six different potatoes. The most interesting way to cook a potato, <laughs> boiled. <laughs> oh, I could share okay, all kinds Grammy. of potato trivia with you. that oh, You could wow your friends and family oh, with I love all it. that knowledge. Okay. So, well, yeah. I'm gonna, when we go into the break, I'm going to get you to leave me with one and I'll share it with our listeners on our way back. Tracy shinners Carnelli, VP of Research and Quality for Peak of the Market. Thank you.